You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Amen. Well, would you join me in inviting our small groups, Pastor Gillian Barry? Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone and staff. You can go ahead and make your way up. Um, This month has been Pastor's Appreciation Month. It's the final day of October, and we're going to take a few moments to love on our pastors. Is that okay? So, pastors Josh and Katie, will you join us on stage? There's plenty of room for you guys up here. Awesome. Yeah, there's so much space. It's so spacious up here. Um, Church, these people are incredible, okay? They go above and beyond to serve us to serve our community, to be true to the call of God on your lives. You have been stretched, you have been challenged, and we have seen it. Thank you for being real, for being authentic, and for loving and shepherding us so, so well. So here I have a ton of cards and flowers for the girls. Um, The small groups ministry wanted to make sure that you guys felt insanely loved and insanely blessed in this season, as well as your kids. So what we're saying is go out on a ton of dates on us. Go have family dinners. Go buy new clothes. We want you guys to have fun. And every time you do, (laughs) and every time you use one of those gift cards, just know we love you, and we are so, so grateful for you. And I did want to take a second to say we love you too. Delaney Callahan, our incredible kids pastor. You do so much behind the scenes and don't get the praise. You deserve this flowers. You deserve all the cards that the kids made you. We love you and we appreciate you. We also made you this incredible photo book. And if you didn't get a chance, this is your absolute last chance. We will put it out after second service. Please sign it. This is for Josh and Katie. And we're going to take a moment. David's going to pray. We're going to lay hands on you guys. And I would love if you guys would extend a hand as well as we bless our pastors. God, we thank you so much for pastors Josh and Katie. We thank you for the immense amount of effort and time and energy that they put into this church, into leading and loving people. I pray that you would just continue to bless them, bless their family, cover Henry and Lucy with your protection. I pray that you would give pastors Josh and Katie just further wisdom, further words to speak, and as we step out into this kingdom builders that you would continue to guide their steps and in turn just bless this church and bless our communities through pastors josh and katie in your name i pray amen well thank you guys that's very kind Honestly, I don't know if you knew this church, but we are very blessed as a church to have a really incredible team of people who are committed to loving uh, this church and this city. Amen? Amen. What a blessing. Like she said, uh, this has been a great and encouraging season for the church. Last week, we kicked off Kingdom Builders. And, uh, yeah, we, we put the mission forward and said, hey, here's, here's really our heart and our desire for global missions and local outreach and future church expansion. If you haven't been a part of that, haven't seen what we're doing, uh, haven't prayed through pledging, I really want to encourage you to check that out. You can go to banner.church slash kingdombuilders. If you tried to go and some of our links were broken, we have fixed all that because we learned how to use the Internet. Um, <laughs> 
No, mostly it's just, you know, it's a lot of work. Uh, but uh, all that's working. But I wanted to encourage you today, if you've joined in and, and made that choice to be a kingdom builder, that though we have a two-year goal uh, for pledges and we're constantly, we'll be bringing kingdom builders moments up, we have already had about $300,000 in kingdom builders <laughs> pledges. Just incredible. Uh, and we've had about 20, I can't I remember the exact number, so Janet can correct me. She's homesick, so I, I couldn't ask her. But it's about $25,000 have come in already for Kingdom Builders. So that's amazing. And I just want to say thank you for engaging that. And the future is so bright, especially since... We're literally doing Kingdom Builders stuff right now, right? <laughs> Kingdom Builders wasn't like, it'd be nice if we, it was like, we're doing this in our community and around the world, and like, it costs money. <laughs> so uh, one of the things we're doing is like preparing for this awesome outreach uh, at Christmas with Tanalea and Tanalea Elementary, and already we're getting everything ready for that and getting all the vendors ready, and it's going to be an incredible, incredible outreach to our community. So things are moving, Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk a little bit today uh, about, let me pull my computer up. There we go. Uh, I want to talk a little bit today about Halloween. Really interesting that uh, Halloween happens to be on a Sunday, and uh, Halloween is a really weird holiday, and it gives me an opportunity, like the once every seven years, to talk a little bit about it. Uh, but I've noticed, kind of like Christmas, have you noticed like Halloween getting longer? It's like there's going to be two, in like 10 years, there's going to be two seasons in America. There's going to be Christmas season and spooky season. That's it. It's like, <laughs> I, we do this thing where it's like we used to have like holidays for a day, then it was like a week. Now it's like months. And uh, I feel like Halloween, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you felt like this since you were a kid, is like exploding. There's stuff about, there's more like spirit Halloween stores. Like they're like the hermit crabs of the stores. Like anywhere where there was like an old Lamonts or Sears, they have found their way in there and they are setting up shop. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, I remember as a kid, uh, the, Halloween literally was not a big deal where I was from. I don't know if that's weird, but it's like some kids would go trick-or-treating. It rained all the time in Washington where I lived. So honestly, I never really went trick-or-treating because I won't get rained on. Full, I mean, honestly, why would I go out and ask for candy when I could try to convince my parents just go buy it, right? <laughs> but I know a lot of people from warm places, they did. But me, I didn't really grow up with that. But I see it all the time. What I do remember is I remember when my parents uh, started following Christ and going to church. It was like the, the church was like, listen, you can't dress your kids up and go around and ask strangers for candy. They'd be like, okay. Like, but we have this thing called a fall festival where you can dress your kids up and they can go around and ask strangers for candy. But don't worry, it's out of the trunk of someone's car. <laughs> oh, that feels way safer. There's nothing that makes me feel safer asking for candy than out of someone's car in a dark parking lot. Like, that's what I'm Please hear me making a little bit of jest about this as we head into it. We'll get into the serious stuff in a second. But I always thought that was funny. It was like, oh, no, it's cool. Like, don't, don't talk to your neighbors, but, like, Sister Margaret's going to anoint the cars with the Jerusalem oil on the way in so they'll be safe. Like, that's the dividing line. Uh, <laughs> but, 
But I do remember that as a kid, like, going to different things and trying. I mean, the goal was candy and Halloween. But I feel like the older I get, like, Halloween has become massive. I went into a spirit Halloween store the other day, and they are absolutely enormous. Like, no longer. Gone are the days of parents, like, sewing costumes. Now you've got to get them in these huge bags of, like, $150. And, like, you're just, you're just trying to get Spider-Man. And for some reason, the Spider-Man costume comes with, like, an insane amount of muscles. I got a Spider-Man costume for my son, and he look he doesn't look yoked because he's three. He just looks thick. Like he looks he's dense. Uh, but he really wanted to be Miles Morales uh, <laughs> on on Halloween. So he's he's pretty about it about Spider-Man. If you don't know, that's that's Spider-Man from one of the Spider-Man movies. Uh, but I get questions all the time as Halloween gets bigger. It's like, as believers, what do we do with Halloween? Right? I think that's a good question because it is a I don't know, it's a dark day, right? And I get questions like, Pastor, like, do I hide in my house to turn the lights off? I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, do I go through the Spirit Halloween store, like canceling the assignment of demonic forces? Like, I cancel you, ghosts and ghouls. I cancel you, slutty nurse. Like, whatever it is, like, whatever I got to go through, be like, not today, Satan, right? Cancel you, ghouls and goblins. Like, what do, what do we go? What do we do? How do we respond? Like, is it okay to go to this party? Is it okay to watch this movie? Is it okay to go trick-or-treating? Is trick-or-treating tying into some old tradition that's somehow going to release spirits? Uh, I've seen people say, me videos will say like oh if you put on a costume it's canceling your identity in god and it's assigning a demonic identity and I, I think at the end of the day most holidays we just end up like really confused we're like i just i just want to do what's i want to do what's right what do i do and so today i'm not here to tell you to go trick-or-treating or not go trick-or-treating here's what i want to share with you today i want to present to you the heart of christ and I want to invite you to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? Determining the will of God and the way to walk in truth and holiness does not end tomorrow. It's like, well, Halloween's over. Now I can do whatever I want and not think about the spiritual world and not think about what's happening. November 1st, it's still going, y'all. And so I want to invite you simply to hear the truth, hear the heart of Christ, and then just be led by the Holy Spirit as you engage with this day or any day. Can we do that this morning? Let's pray together. God, we thank you that your word is true. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us. So we thank you that as we walk, those who have said, Jesus, I choose to follow you with my life. I thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to direct us and to guide us. And so we say, guide us in your wisdom, Lord, in your name. Amen. I thought today, before we talk about Halloween, that I would talk a little bit about the spread of Christianity. Can we do that today? Okay. It is tough for the modern church, I think, to understand or fully understand the spread of Christianity because we see uh, the Christian church in America as this, like, really strong institution. Like, we're a Judeo-Christian nation, and we have this kind of sense, like, it's this very big thing. But we have to understand when we read, like, Acts, when we read the New Testament, that it was not this massive thing. It was growing right? When Jesus looks at his disciples in Acts 1-8, he tells them the Holy Spirit's going to come upon him, but look what he says. In Acts 1-8, he says, I'll read it to you. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And look at this direction. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's a progression, right? Where does it start? Jerusalem. Where does it end? The ends of the earth. 
This is I've always find fascinating. I, I was a student of philosophy at University of Washington. It was, and oftentimes there was this clashing of what was called Eastern or Western religions. Say, well, Christianity is a Western religion. Really, what part of Jerusalem is in the West? Because <laughs> that's where it's from, right? That's where it came from. It came from. Jerusalem, And so when Jesus is giving this commission, he was speaking to a Jewish audience, which again is, is, is hard sometimes in a, in a Western context, unless you're Jewish, unless you have these traditions to understand, because he was speaking to a Jewish people living in Jerusalem. They were tied to Jewish traditions. Most of the traditions of the early church were, surprised, Jewish or based in Jewish tradition because they were Jewish, right? That makes sense to me, right? That was their context. But immediately when they got outside, unless they were going directly to a Jewish community, if they were going to any Gentile community, as soon as they went outside of those spheres, what did they find? People without the same context, people without the same festivals, people without the same understanding, people without the same background. They're not approaching a people with a messianic context. Why? Because that wasn't their tradition. They're encountering people who were Gentiles or if you want to say pagans, right? People who didn't know Jesus Christ and people who didn't come from the traditions that they came from. And we know that Christianity, right, goes all around the world. It goes to India, and it goes to Africa, and it spreads up into Europe. And obviously it takes deep root to the church in Rome. And so a lot of what we get in the traditions of the church are this mix of medieval European and Christian. It's, it's kind of—it's messy, right? But wherever they went— these missionaries, remember the church was sent, they would encounter people who worship different gods, who had festivals and feasts and all kinds of things. Some of them are like, we eat on this day. Some of them are really dark, like we sacrifice children on this day, right? Some of, some of them are misdirected, and some of them are just pure and absolute and total evil. I don't, I don't feel like we would have to argue that child sacrifice is evil, right? I feel like we should be on that that same page. Amen? <laughs> like, yes, if you go somewhere, yeah, right, we, we're, we're together. But rather than push these people away, the very missional early church ate with these people. They lived with these people. They, they proudly and clearly uh, displayed and declared the gospel. We just did a whole series on evangelism to people who did not know the hope of Jesus Christ. The question is, what, how did they share the gospel with them? Well, the people they were talking to had no context and often didn't even speak their language. How do you share something that someone has no context for and you barely speak the language that they're speaking? How do you begin to share that? Well, you use things that they already understand. And so this is why every holiday, usually someone who deeply loves the Lord sends me a YouTube video of, uh, like, uh, saying that they have unearthed some kind of pagan ritual that we are partaking. Let me give you a good example. Uh, last year, I got an email. Someone was devastated that we would ever have a Christmas tree in our church because it was a pagan symbol. Some of you are like, what? Some of you are like, yes, finally. Right? <laughs> but let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Let me explain. Because some of you, you remember, do you remember this? Uh, the war on Christmas. Remember when people wanted to change Christmas trees to holiday bushes? And then I don't know whatever Christian radio station you listen to, but they rose up and said, no, it's Christmas trees. Remember that, the war on Christmas? It's a long war, apparently. I don't know. Uh, 
But they're not actually Christmas trees. They're not actually holiday bushes. They're Yules. They're Yules. Yules were a pagan symbol because the Germanic people, where's my German brother here? The Germanic people believed that evergreens kept witches away. So they would bring evergreen trees into their home, ironically cutting them down to do it, which feels like defeat the purpose. But whatever, neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and they would they would put lights on them is to keep away witches. That was one of the things. I mean, many other things. And then what they would do is they would take the Yule tree and they would throw them into a giant bonfire, strip down naked, and dance around it in the German winter. <laughs> a lot of mixed emotions about what I just shared to you. I guarantee you the audience. Some of you are like, all right. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, what? But I just want you to imagine being a Catholic monk traveling the German wilderness and you just come across... <sighs> just fire just and naked Germans dancing everywhere. You'd be like, no. <laughs> I don't know many monks, but I, I'm going to guess they wrote back like, dear Pope, um, help, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they were like, you tell them to stop. And so what did they do? They were like, okay, wait a second. The trees don't keep, the trees don't keep away witches. That's not what this is for. And so if you were a missionary and you were thinking missional, what would you do? You would say, hey, Listen, I know, I know what you're using this for. Let me tell you about something else. You think this tree standing for that it lives eternally keeps away? Let me tell you about the eternal light. Let me tell you about the one who was crucified on a tree. Let me tell you about the one who is the light of the world, who came to bring life to you. And you don't need to sacrifice. You just need to lay your heart down to him. And so now when you bring the tree into your house, when you bring the tree into your home, let it stand as a symbol for the eternal light of Jesus Christ. And when you chop that thing up, don't get naked and stand in a bonfire. Put it in your fireplace as a Yule log and invite people into your home to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So people are like, it's pagan. Exactly. Isn't it cool? I think it's pretty great. Does that tree still have the power? Is it about witches? No. Why? Because they said, listen, trees aren't inherently pagan, not pagan. It's a tree. It's your heart. It's what you're focused on, right? Easter eggs. Easter, I usually get this. Pastor, how, I mean, I've had people leave the church because we had an Easter bunny come. Pastor, how could you have a bunny? That is a pagan symbol of fertility. I want to tell you right now, if you've never, you've never studied paganism, everything is a pagan symbol of fertility. You need to know. <laughs> One of the things, that, when there was no lights and you went to bed when the sun went down, there was a lot of fertility. Not a high child mortality rate. It was a lot of fertility, right? A lot of things were based on fertility. A lot of things, if it could make a thing, it was a symbol of fertility, right? Rivers, bunnies, ducks, everything, symbol of fertility. <laughs> Eggs, symbol of fertility. Like, it's a pagan symbol. Great, but you know what? When you encountered people that celebrated a, a, a symbol, you'd say, listen, this is actually a really beautiful thing. And as you begin to fast in the Lenten season in preparation to celebrate the rising of Jesus Christ, they would begin to die and paint these things to celebrate and create a beautiful display and declare the truth of Jesus coming and breaking out of the tomb and bringing life. So let's make a celebration out of something that has been misdirected. Are you with me? 
And so I'm saying this because I want to affirm the heart of people who are trying to get answers because I think the question that often comes up, whether it be about uh, pagan things or whether it be about what we celebrate, as I think most people generally, some people are just crazy, but I think most people are saying, like, I just want to walk faithfully with Christ, and I'm concerned that I've been incidentally been misdirected by some evil thing, like a tree or a wreath or something. Are you with me? like, oh, wait, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that. And so I want to affirm you. I don't want you to think that I am putting you down if you've had those thoughts. I'm here to direct and guide you because that's literally my job. Because I want to say that in many ways, our colliding with whatever you want to call pagan pastor things is really unique. But Halloween has to be the most unique collision of pagan and Christian. And I want to preface everything I'm about to say, to say I'm going to explain to you Halloween, and it is not going to make it less messy for you. You're like, that is not encouraging. That's okay. Sometimes the world is just messy. <laughs> Halloween is fascinating to me because you have a collision. It's like the Pope versus the pagans. If I were going to make, now, we're, you know, we're Protestants, so we don't follow the Pope, but I just wanted to tell you, this is the Pope versus the pagans. Uh, if, we were, if I were to make a poster, the rumble in the jungle, Pope versus pagan, this is what this would be. Uh, and so there was a day called All Saints Day that was actually in like March or May. It was a day that the Catholics made because they ran out of days to celebrate all of the saints. And sainthood is a big deal for the Catholics. And so they said, let's make a day to remember all of the saints, those who have gone before. Let's make it a holy day. Let's fast on that day. Let's make it special. Then, in the 6th centuries, the church, the Roman Catholic Church, met the Celts, who were probably, I would say, the most voracious performers of dark arts, of uh, occultic magic, of pagan rituals. They ran into them, and they would celebrate on a very specific day, right about harvest time, so right about October 31st, you know, this time for us. They would celebrate this day that they believed that the spiritual and the physical world overlapped more than ever. Now, you have to understand, in the ancient world, they did not think there was a divine separation between physical and spiritual. Most everybody believed these things intertwine. And so, on this specific day, called Sowen, the Celts would celebrate this crossing over, but not celebrate in the way that you would think like we would we'd like have fun celebrating. It's a lot of celebration based around fear. So, for example, they would dress up as like spirits, ghouls, demons, different things like that, in order that, because they believed demons, spirits, and ghouls walked around at that time, in order that if they happened to run into a demon, spirit, or ghoul, and they look like a demon, spirit, or ghoul, the demon would be like, hey, what's up, bro, and then keep going. As if that was going to trick a demon, <laughs> like, like, ah, oh, sick mask, ah, oh, we're the same, like, as if, <laughs> but that's what, the, that's what they believed, and it came from a place of profound fear. And so when the church, when, and there's literally letters of the Pope who's like, no, we're moving All Saints Day. They moved All Saints Day so that it fell in this timeline in the hopes of repurposing the affection and attention of the people away from dressing up like demons and towards fasting towards the cross, towards Jesus, and also towards the saints that they were celebrating, these saintly acts and who they are and what they did for the Lord. I, mean, I think that's well-purposed. And what 
became, though, because the enemy's clever, is that All Hallows' Eve, <laughs> the night before, when people would feast in preparation for fasting. Isn't that funny how that always works? God's like, let's have a fast. And everyone's like, let's get drunk the night before. And it's like, ah, <laughs> that might not be what I mean, right? <laughs> Is that in the night before, people throw these parties. And so there began this, this medieval mashup of Celtic and Christian things that were coming together. And so, like, poor people would put on costumes and go door to door to the rich people and ask for cakes and sweets and all these things from the feast they were having, having in preparation. And they would do tricks and they would do things. And it was, it was this really weird mix of pagan and Christian. And if you're like, well, I really know the defined history. I, I've spent a lot of time researching this, and there's, there's even other— uh, pagan traditions, whether it's the Gauls or the Germanic tribes or different things like that who really claim these days or claim these times. But I just want to say very clearly, it is really messy, right? The understanding, like, what of this is, like, just made-up corporate holiday? People didn't even trick-or-treat in this country till the 30s. It's like, okay, what's manufactured? What's purely worshiping Satan? How am I sure, right? Here's what I do know. We're talking about Halloween. I do know this. I do know that Halloween is still a day and was a day where a great deal of evil takes place. Like a lot. Like if you read the police reports, like more evil, occultic, terrible things happen on this day than the rest of the year. It is, there is a lot of evil stuff that happens. I think we have to be honest about that, right? It's also the second largest commercial holiday in the country. It goes Christmas and then Halloween. Six billion dollars on Halloween. Isn't that crazy? Like, I kind of thought Thanksgiving would be up there, but apparently, you know, culture has changed. Yeah, we're not as thankful and we're, yeah, we want to be scared more. I think what's wild is that $6 billion is not leaning towards All Saints Day. It's not like it's getting closer to like, wow, they're really, we're really into no November 1st. Like November 1st, some of y'all are sleeping it off. It's moving away from the intention there. And culture has profoundly more embraced the evil, the demonic, the vile. And so from the beginning... As much as I think the church had good intentions to be like, this is our day, I think culture's been like, nope, and moved it over here, which makes it a little messy for us as Christians who are living in a culture that has moved it, right? That is very clearly practicing evil. And we can't ignore, we cannot ignore, listen, I, I want to give you an approach here. We cannot ignore that this is a day where there is a lot of evil practice. They're Christians who are like, oh, it's fine. You can't ignore that. You cannot ignore. If, if you're like, no, there's nothing, let me take you to some places in this country, and you will have a life-changing experience. I'll put you in the fetal position. Because there was profound evil the rest of the year, but it really gets after it. But Halloween is also sometimes used as an excuse to do things that are counter to God's goodness. Like, I'm thinking about this for my daughter She's set. She's gonna be seven now, but she's gonna grow up. I just went to the Halloween store because I got a cool mummy mask And I was looking and I was like cool. My daughter can be anything she wants for Halloween as long as it's a whore 
right? It's like she can be a nun or a nurse or a cop or a pumpkin as long as it's slutty. And I'm like, really? That's the message to the future. It's like, women, you can be whatever you want as long as it's objectified. Hard pass. But at the same time, Halloween is unique to me as someone who's missionally focused. Because Halloween is also the time where the neighbors that I'm called to reach with the love of Jesus Christ are all out in the streets. Or at least opening, most of them opening their doors. It's really unique. And if I was a missionary into my neighborhood, I dropped in and I saw all these people out, I certainly would find a way to engage with them. And what I love about the season as a pastor is that more people are open to have conversations about death, about the supernatural. Mostly when I try to have those conversations, people are like, great, dude, move on down. <laughs> but this time, every, people are down because, like, you kind of want to know, hey, what about this? What about this? I love those questions. Ask questions. But here's my question. What do you do with Halloween this year? More importantly, what do you think God might be asking you to do with this weird day? I just, I want to give you some direction today. As I've been really asking this question for my own, my own family, right? My own, I mean, I'm a believer. I'm walking with you guys too, right? But as someone who's a leader and I, I want to sit down with the Lord and, and pastor and pastor well, ask these questions. Here's what I believe as we look at Halloween. What do we do with Halloween? First thing is recognize who has the power. Recognize who has the power. And I'll add how much of it they actually have. There are evil powers. They have supernatural power. Now, we live in this postmodern world that likes to deny that, but man— as someone who's, like, met, like, witch doctors and crazies, I tell you what, it, it comes to a blatant reality. <laughs> that there are evil forces. There is evil power. But I love Ephesians 6.10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Okay, I'm going to give you two things. One, darkness has power. You've got to understand that. There are forces of darkness. I saw someone there wearing a shirt with a demon on it, and I, I've done so much studying for our, our uh, series on angels and demons. I was like, I just wanted to tell them, like, trust me, you don't want to meet that demon lady. <laughs> that is not going to be a great experience for you. You don't want to get anywhere near that, right? Because I've read about how they worshipped that evil force, and they would literally burn children and golden calves to it. You don't want anything to do with that. It's so hardcore. I, I get it. You want to be rock and roll? I get it. I got tattoos, and I got some skull tattoos. I get it. Whatever. I play guitar. doesn't matter. My <laughs> Whatever. Oh, you're so cool. It's not cool. It's dumb. Because we begin to underestimate believers. Listen, if you're not a believer, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the believers here. So I'm not trying to insult you. I'm, I'm trying to talk to those who believe. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you need to recognize that there are dark things. There are dark things. If you believe it is demonic, don't touch it. 
If you believe that going to this, being a part of this, engaging this, is engaging in some way, something dark, occultic, demonic, don't do it. Right? Well, I'm not sure. Then don't. Guess what? You'll wake up tomorrow and do something else. But there's something else you need to hear, is that darkness is not more powerful than the light. It is not more powerful than Jesus Christ. John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hear me, there's no cosmic duel in heaven that God is hoping that Keanu Reeves shows up to tilt the balance in whatever movie, Constantine or whatever, so that the angels can pull out a win and the devil won't use some knife to win, I don't know, whatever movie's out now, right? There's always some movie like there's a balance that hopefully doesn't tip. Listen, there is no balance. God is the victor. God has the power. God has the authority. It says when God cast Satan out of heaven, he cast him out so fast you couldn't even get your iPhone 13 out for a picture, no matter how much, I don't know, lens they put in that thing. It doesn't matter. So it's like lightning. It wasn't a battle. It was like Satan was like, not today, God. And God was like, that's it, like lightning. You know how fast lightning is? Faster than that. There's no cosmic balance. God is in control. God has the power. That's why when the church encountered the, the Celtic world specifically that were engaging in these things, they were engaging in them because of fear. They lived in fear. If you study the ancient world, not only was it literally a dark place, it was spiritually a dark place. It was very, very dark. Very dark. And people lived afraid. But Jesus came says, you do not need to live in fear. Because I've not given you a spirit of fear. And the darkness that you fear does not have more power. It does have power, but not more power than me. That's why 1 John 4, 4, he says, You are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have a God who is greater than the darkness that tries to come against us. The light that you have. Listen, if you've never experienced the hope and healing of Jesus Christ, hear me, that Jesus loves you so much that not only does he save you, not only does he restore you, not only does he give you the Holy Spirit, but he sets you into a life free from fear. Because he's with you. So how do we begin to approach it? Hear me. We approach, hallelujah, we approach these things without naivete or retreat. We do not go in naively, nor do we retreat away from them. Because usually I see two approaches to Halloween. There's like a combating, uh, uh, almost amidst the church sometimes. Is we have the people who are like, hey, it's no big deal. Like, I'll show my toddler the scariest, murderiest movie ever. It's not a big deal. It doesn't mean anything. Sure. Our kids' church employees are, will tell you that it does. Right? Our kids' church staff will be like, it does. They tell us all about it in their nightmares. So we have some people approach it totally naively, like, I'm the cool parent. Then we have the people who approach it the total opposite way, who live in complete fear and terror, and they give evil too much power. It's like there's a demon behind every bush. My car broke down because there's a demon in it. It's like, no, listen, Linda, you haven't changed the oil in six years. <laughs> That's called wisdom. You need to use the Holy Spirit gift of wisdom, right? Sometimes there are demonic forces, and sometimes they're foolish, right? But we need to approach it, but not in the sense of understanding who is guiding us, the Holy Spirit. 
See, we have an all-powerful God. There is no need to run and hide. But we also have wisdom that comes from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And so we do not naively go with the flow of whatever culture says. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering you are being experienced or suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I love that. Be sober-minded and resist the devil. What if we didn't go with the flow of culture and just naively do whatever and celebrate whatever and watch whatever and be a part of whatever? What if we also didn't overreact and simply withdraw from anything that became a difficult cultural scenario to inject light into? What if instead of retreating in disapproval, we found ways to storm the gates of hell? But in order to do that, we got to do this. We have to walk in the light. How do I approach Halloween? Walk in the light. Walk in the light. We were once in the darkness. Christ died to bring us into the light. Don't choose to go back to the darkness. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you're in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Is anyone warm right now? You feeling it? Would you turn the air down? Sorry, if you're cold, it's about to get colder. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You used to be in darkness. Now you're in light. Just get that fan going up in here. Don't get trapped in darkness. How? Does that mean never hang out with people who don't believe the same things in you? Never go to uncomfortable places? Never be missional? Never step out into maybe the, the pagan places or what people might think? No. It means this. It means guard your heart. Be good to your heart. Can I just encourage you? That's for you. This is not a message of judgment. This is a message for your heart. You can walk in joy and freedom and life. Guard your heart. That's how we can be in the world but not of it. I love Philippians 4. Paul's encouraging and he says, Brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. Katie, that one is not going to work, but the one back there will. Thank you. And then again, when Paul is encouraging the Corinthians, he says, For though we walk in flesh, we're not waging a war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And look at this. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive. Can I just recommend that we take every thought captive the other 364 days of the year as well, church? I know some of y'all, it gets you fired up, Halloween. But the other ones are really important too. Every day, not just Halloween. How about at work? How about at school? How about like before you go to sleep? How about with your family? How about with your kids? Are we taking captive every thought? Yes, yeah, I know we're concerned about what other people are doing. What about our hearts? <laughs> What, is, what are you doing? How are you guarding your heart? I have people talk to me and be like, man, I'm just really struggling to sleep, and I'm so anxious. I'm like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I just, like, watch a couple shows. Then I'll, you know, like, hit the Instagram for a little bit, and then I'll go to bed, and I'm, just, I'm struggling. 
Like, okay, cool. Like, what do you watch? Like, oh, it's a show called Squid Game. It's like this Korean show where, like, people play these children's games and they get brutally murdered. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And then what do you do? It's like, then I'm on Instagram before bed. I'm like, okay, great. Well, I'll just stop you right there <laughs> and uh, just say, I, I think I know why you're anxious because you're not guarding your heart, <laughs> right? I'm not here to give you a list of things to watch and not watch. All I'm just saying, we need to stop just pretending. Stop, stop pretending. Let's not play church. We need to guard our hearts from the things that would destroy our hearts. I'm not here to attack behavior because you could attack someone else, and we'd be in this cycle, right? And that's what the church expects. All I'm here to say is, listen, we scientifically know that if you look at your phone before bed and we look, if you look at it right when you wake up, that it is literally destroying your brain. We, like, this is so great. When I was a kid, no one could prove that yet because, like, we just got phones and now we're all dumb. But, like, when I was a kid, <laughs> they couldn't prove it. But now we know we have the science. We were the guinea pigs for the future. Listen, if you're under 20, we know through science that you you have a rhythm in your brain that if you look at your phone, this is like, we close this. Let's just talk about science for a second. We know for a fact that if you look at your phone right before you go to bed and you look at your phone when you wake up, you will be depressed because it's destroying the rhythm in your brain. It's fascinating. So all I want to say is, again, habit shows whatever phone. I don't care what you do. All I'm saying is, for the sake of your own heart, guard your heart. Guard your heart. We live in a world that is full of darkness. We need to choose light. Some of you, you need to let go of some of those things that you've given yourself as an excuse. The little treat yourself things that just are not good for your heart. That's between you and the Lord. But can I just encourage you? Man, we're, we're supposed to live a life of light and freedom. Guard your heart. Some of us, we need to take captive some thoughts. Without naivete or retreat, we need to recognize there's a war for our hearts and our minds. And we win the war by dwelling on God and His goodness. But I also want to add this today. These are my last thoughts. As believers, it is not just about us. Our focus, the orienting of our heart cannot solely be on us. Just like Jesus, we need to see others and we need to consider others. Amen? See, not only do you walk in the light, but you are a light to others. And now I know everybody's different. Everyone's going to respond differently. So I want to encourage you to use wisdom. But I just want to say, what if our response to Halloween is less about us and more about how God might want to use us to share the love of Jesus with others? So I want to encourage you. These are my last two things. How do I respond to Halloween? Can I encourage you, church? See with compassion. See with compassion. I was just talking to my brother uh, right between services, and I said it breaks my heart to see people be so cruel to people who do not know the hope of Jesus Christ for being lost when we know that they're lost. Why would you be mad at somebody who says, I'm lost, I don't know, for turning the wrong direction? It's like, that's not the heart of Christ. See, when Jesus was approached by the crowd, he didn't get annoyed at the questions. He didn't get annoyed at their fears or their brokenness. Hear me today. If you do not know Jesus Christ, here's what I love about Jesus. He is not annoyed by what you bring to him. It says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. 
He's not discouraged by you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not angry at you. He's not annoyed by your brokenness. He wants to not only give you life, but restore you, fill you with the Holy Spirit, and set you upon a beautiful purpose for your life. No one believes in you more than God does. And so look at this. Matthew 9, 35. Let me read this. It says, And Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. What if... This Halloween, we recognize that people are coming from a variety of backgrounds, experiences, hurts, habits, hangups, concerns, brokenness, all kinds of things. What if we realize this might be more nuanced than something we could just simply post online or yell from a specific moment or platform? What if, like the early church, what if we had to engage in a world, because we do, that does not know the hope that you have received, but desperately longs for it? What if instead of getting upset, judgmental, or mean, we saw people with the compassion as Jesus did? And what if it actually breaks Jesus' heart more that we don't know our neighbors than that our neighbors go trick-or-treating or whatever? What if it breaks the heart of Jesus? What if what breaks his heart most is not, uh, you know, uh, skulls and goblins? What if it breaks his heart more is that our neighbors do not know the love of Jesus Christ? Because that's what he came to bring. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying change the truth. I'm not saying violate the truth. I'm saying you can speak the truth with love and respect. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, honor Christ as the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. See, gentleness and respect does not remove truth, but it does refocus our answer. Do I see people as Christ saw? Does brokenness move me to compassion or to complaining? Some of us, our prayer needs to be, God, break your heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Give me eyes to see. Give me words to speak. Give me a heart that hurts. And listen, not just now. I think that Halloween should be a great inspiration to the church that there is work to do. There are heart. You know when we'll know that they're the best answer to Halloween? When everyone is serving Jesus. And that's our cry. Listen, I get it, church. Halloween is not an ideal holiday. On the record, not an ideal holiday. And I'm not trying to be stingy. Like I joked in the first service, like, you know, I, I'm not trying to be stingy here. I'm not trying to, like, put you down if you like this, don't like this, if you're against this, if you're super against this, if you're super for this. But I think as a pastor, I just got to say, I don't love that this is a holiday I have to navigate. It's gross. It's annoying. I like to party have friends over for parties, but we can do that any day. <laughs> it's not my favorite. But since it's here, what if instead of resigning the day, what if instead of resigning the experience in our neighborhood to say, well, this is Satan's birthday. Satan doesn't have a birthday. He's a spiritual being. Satan does, oh, it's Satan's day. Satan doesn't get a day. This is the day the Lord has made. Satan can kick rocks. That's how it works. I will rejoice and be glad that in the day that the Lord has made. We're like, this belongs to Satan and the spiritualists and all these things. You know what? Just because someone is doing evil somewhere in the world does not mean that I need to hide. It means I got to get inspired and get creative. It should burn in me to say, man, my whole neighborhood's out here. What can I do? 
What can I do to share the love of Jesus Christ? What can I do to engage with my whole neighborhood who has decided to step out in one area and spend a devoted amount of time? What could I do? What if instead of resigning the country, the day, the city, our neighborhood, what if we went out into the harvest? Look at Matthew 9, 35 to 38 again. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Jesus went out throughout all the cities and villages, teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Does this sound familiar? Because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Let me read you the next part. He then turns and it says, Then he says to his disciples, In view of everything he has just seen, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. You know where the harvest festival is? It's, it's not here. It's not in our parking lot. It's in your neighborhoods. But it's not just on Halloween. It's every day. It's in your offices. It's in your schools. That's where the harvest is. And you don't need to engage with evil to engage in the harvest. But I love what he says. It says he sends them out into send out laborers into the harvest not pray that the harvest would be sent in to meet the laborers send the laborers out i don't know if we missed that church for like 400 years but send the laborers out into the harvest that means when you get out there you know what's in the harvest like snakes and bugs and all kinds of gross stuff you ever been in a harvest field i was just out walking through a bunch of mowed down grass almost got bit by a rattlesnake had to blow its head off there's not good things out there it's dangerous you got to be aware Listen to me. How do we respond? Can I just encourage you? And I'm not telling you how to do this. I just feel like this is the call of Jesus on our life for every day. So I'm going to give it to you because the fact that Satan's claim this day doesn't make this biblical truth less true. Go into the harvest. Go into the harvest. Ben, you can come up. I love that Jesus turns with his disciples and like after just seeing all these people, and seeing the crowd, and he looks at me, he's like, y'all ready to get some work done? You ready to do some work? Some were probably like, what? <laughs> I thought we were working. That's what we were doing. He's like, no, pray for more. Pray for more people. Pray for more opportunity. I get it. it uh, it's hard to know. Anyone realize it's hard to know your neighbors these days? It's hard. So you got to get creative at how you encounter the people who are around you whether that's directly in your neighborhood or people near you, you got to get creative. But I love how creative the church has been since the beginning of the church. To not give credit or claim or engage in evil, but to engage with people who are in the harvest. And since it's hard to know my neighbors, but I'm biblically commanded to love my neighbors, i got to get a little creative. i got to find ways to engage people. And so for me, I like going around my neighborhood trick-or-treating. I like to do it. So I'm like, well, that's engaging in the ancient practice. No, I, under I understand that practice, but that's not what I'm doing. Because I think we have to be careful at recognizing what is evil and what is not. And what is more power and what's not. But some of you, that is uncomfortable for you. And to which I say, amen, don't do it. Be led by the Spirit 
to where the Spirit is leading you. You're like, you know what? Those things are really hard for me. Anything to do with this kind of stuff is really tough for me. So sometimes I feel judged for not engaging with it, and I just want to say, boo to that too. Be led as God is leading you. Be led by the Holy Spirit in that space. But I do want to say, man, the harvest field is plenty. People are going to probably judge you either way, if we're going to be honest. It's like when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, the promiscuous woman. It's likely engaged in all kinds of things. They speculate was a prostitute at some point. Culture would have said, like, no, don't be around her. She's unclean. That's not okay. That's not safe. Don't be near that. Jesus, you don't want to even be seen like that. And he's like, well, they already think that I'm a glutton and a drunkard. Like, what's next? What's next? And he engages with her, and he shares the God. He doesn't engage in the act, right? He doesn't engage in a sin. But he engages with this person where they are at in a publicly neutral place. He rejects those cultural things that are holding him back, and he shares the gospel. Because he is led by the Spirit of God. You are led by the Spirit of God. And today the big question is not, what will your neighbor do? What will someone sitting next to you in church do? The question is not like, what do you need to say, stand up, post about, reawake, yada, yada, yada. The question is like, what will you do in your own heart? The question for us, each of us today is, am I walking in the light? And am I being a light to others? That's the question. Am I walking in the light? Or have I begun to allow things of darkness to come in and steal that away? And you need to be real with yourself. If you are susceptible to things that would draw you in and you know that they're going to happen, then guess what you should do? Flee from those things. They are triggers for you. If they are reawaking trauma or if they lead you in, into spaces that are not okay, whether they are, you know, and maybe they're things that are neutral for other people, but they're going to lead you in a place, just flee from them. It's you and the Lord. Is that you and someone else? And the same thing, am I being a light to others? Am I wisely and compassionately sharing the hope of Jesus Christ? Does my heart break for what breaks the heart of God? And have I really thought about how I could bring that hope of Jesus to other people? The hope and life of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me today? I just want to invite you, just bow your head and close your eyes. These are the days I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. If you didn't know, if you call on the Lord, if you're saved, if you walk with Jesus, we also believe that you have received the Holy Spirit. And for those who have received the Spirit, you've received the blessing of not only the anointing that is a securing of your identity in Christ, but also you received the Counselor the Holy Spirit who guides. And on today's like this, I'm thankful for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There's lots of great gifts of the Spirit, but one of my favorites, two of my favorites, are wisdom and discerning of spirits. And today as you go into a world 
that ought to remind us, today ought to remind us that the world we're going into is quite dark and quite hopeless. As you go out, you are not going out as one who is under the forces of that hopelessness and darkness, but one who is the light, who is full of the light, and who brings the light. So I want to pray two things for you this morning, and I just want to pray over you before the band leads us. The first thing is if you're saying today, just all heads, you know, bowed, eyes closed. If you're thinking, man, you know what, I really want to walk in the light. I want the hope and healing that comes through Jesus Christ. I need the restoration, or I have allowed things to come in that have really separated my heart from pursuing the Lord. Or maybe you've never made that choice. You've never said, Jesus, I want to choose to follow you. I want the hope for my future and healing from my past that comes from you. But either way, if this is the first time, or again, maybe today you're just saying, man, I've allowed things to come in and begin to steal away that light, or try to come against that light is a better way of saying. Try to come against that. And you're saying, man, I want to walk faithfully in obedience to the Lord today. If that's you, I just want to pray for you this morning. Would you lift your hands if you're saying, God, would you help me? I want to walk in the light today. Jesus, you see these hands this morning. And I thank you that through Jesus, who died upon the cross and rose again, that you bring light, that you bring us out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And you say, if anyone is in you, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so I thank you today, Lord, that we are in the light because of you. And so I pray for that heart that says, I want to walk in the light. I pray that you would guide them. I pray that you would renew them right now. Lord, I pray that if there's anything right now in this space that they feel like they have held on to to take your place at the center of our heart, I pray that you right now, as they say, Jesus, I repent and lay it at your feet, I pray you would heal that heart right now in the name of Jesus. The second thing, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you're saying, Jesus, or specifically, you're saying, Holy Spirit, would you lead me to be a light to others as I navigate this day? But not only this day, all spaces. If you recognize, man, you know what? The world is actually pretty dark, and I need the Lord to lead me to be a light to others. If that's you today, and you're saying, God, help me to be a light to others, would you lift your hands? I want to pray the Holy Spirit would move upon you today. Jesus, help me to be a light to others. Yes, Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light that you came to this earth, that you died on the cross, that you bore our sin and shame, and that you rose again in victory, and you invite us in that victory, and you have given us the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. And so I pray right now for all those today who are walking out of this place, that though they walk into a world that does not know your light, that we might be light to the world. Use us, Holy Spirit. Move upon us in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Move upon us in the fruit. Bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, not only this morning, but for the rest of the year. Begin to move upon your people. Begin to move upon their hearts that they, though they walk into a dark place, would be the light that shines so bright, like that tiny flame in a dark cave, that they would illuminate what is around them. And God, we pray for a heart that breaks for what breaks yours. We pray for eyes to see people as you see them. We pray for a heart that we're 
responds to people as you respond. We pray for ears that truly hear the hurting and the suffering, and we pray for hands and feet that go out into the harvest and bring life. So we pray strengthen us, Lord, because we know it's by your power and not by ours. Encourage us, Lord, because we know it's by your words and not by ours. And Holy Spirit, we pray move. Just take a moment wherever you are and just begin to invite the Holy Spirit. Say, move upon my heart. Move upon my life. Move upon my spirit this morning that I might go out as the light in Jesus' mighty name. Let's worship him.